Fuck me, hold tight. What's that? It's me belt, Turkish. No, Tommy, there's a gun in your trousers. <laughs> what is a gun doing in your trousers? It's for protection. Protection from what? Well, the Germans. All right, folks, here we go. Next seminar up December 8th through the 10th, then February 9th through the 11th, and April 12th through the 14th. Coaching workshop February 3rd, that's going to be online. This workshop is geared towards professionals that want to get better at coaching the barbell lifts, as well as folks that just might want to coach family and friends. There's no prerequisite to sign up. The workshop will cover all the strategies, methods, and principles of starting strength, as well as have participants take each other through the five-step deadlift setup. There is a discount available for active trainers, so check out the link for details. We have a self-sufficient lifter camp January 13th in Wichita Falls. We have a squat camp in Astoria, New York on January 6th. Press and bench press camp January 20th on Long Island. Deadlift and power clean camp December 2nd on Long Island. Squat and deadlift camp December 16th in Greenville, South Carolina at Block Haven. And finally, a three-lift camp covering the squat, the deadlift, and the power clean going on in Seoul, South Korea. That's in December 17th. And finally, our new rehab, injury, and pain management camp. This camp is for coaches, lifters, or clinicians that want to learn how to strength training can integrate into their practice and deal with chronic pain as well as manage and rehab injury. One going on January 6th in Katy, Texas at Starting Strength Katy, and then February 3rd in Chicago at Starting Strength Chicago. And if you weren't already aware, speaking of Starting Strength gyms, they're doing free 30-minute sessions. You can sign up at any Starting Strength gym for a free 30-minute session. Go in, get some information about the gym, get some information about membership, maybe get one of the lifts demoed, and see if it might not be a right fit for you. So if you're curious about it, or if you know somebody that might be curious about it and you want to push them towards signing up, get them that free 30-minute session on any of those gyms' websites. To find the closest location, head over to locations.startingstrengthgyms.com. And as usual, for more information on anything that I've talked about, head over to startingstrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, starting Strength Radio. Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. You lucky people. Here you are, the recipients of our generosity with time, information, all kinds of other important things that, you know, money can't really buy. But you still ought to subscribe to the network for $75 a year, all right? Just to kind of, you know, I mean, show a little gratitude, okay? Is that unreasonable? <laughs> Not at all. I don't no. think it's unreasonable. All right. Now, we got a bunch of stuff we're going to do today. We're going to continue our series on what to buy yourself for christmas we're going to talk about a couple of things we're going to discuss the two-factor model here in a little while but first let's get this the fuck out of the way all right shall we this thing we call comments, comments. From, from the haters now, this week's installment of our little segment here, this is, there's some, this is some rather harsh 
you think so? Cooperative kind of shit going on here. All right. Man. Well, that well, I don't yeah. know if that's good, but we had to did, di- had did, to dig a little bit. Did did what? We had to I had to dig a little bit. Yeah, Bree came you, up. With, you got these or not Bree all did? of them, just a couple. Yeah, couple of them. Yeah. All right. So Bree did Most her of normal them were three. job of gleefully pulling out <laughs> the nasty shit people say about me, you the, and Rusty and everything. The really bad ones are probably the really me. bad ones are, are Bree's yeah. idea of a good time. <laughs> all right. All right. Here's one about. Losing fat and gaining muscle with starting strength. Congrats, but you have a long way to go based on your physique. I'm assuming he's talking to me. I don't know. Losing fat and gaining muscle. That may have been a case study of some kind. I don't remember that. Yeah, I don't either. It's amazing how much trouble these guys go to. They scramble through all of the three years of yeah shit we've already done and and come up some are repeat commenters too which is uh yeah that's a, a level of attention i'm not used to yeah i don't know that there's any youtube channels that i check regularly like that no i none that i know of i don't check youtube channels yeah but i just you know i don't really do anything much on the internet except i've gotten off of facebook and twitter i'm just not going to participate never was on instagram That'd be great for what's the other one everybody <laughs> likes TikTok. i don't do that i you know it's just there's already too many ways to waste time on the internet yeah without uh you know making somebody else money off of it so i'm not gonna I'm not gonna participate all right here's one gaining 60 pounds in four months at starting strength dallas and this brilliant comment from someone by the name of ian graham hyphen white people with hyphenated last names all swallow cocks (laughs) just universal a guy named ian with a hyphenated last name is a cock swallower well no what it is is you know his wife does multiple cocks because <laughs> she doesn't respect him well, i don't know that there's anything wrong with a wife doing multiple cocks you know i don't know that it has anything to do with his respect or not i'm i'm not concerned with a female doing co- i'm talking about this guy <laughs> eats cocks all right ian graham white how to get a flaming dog shit physique <laughs> That's the comment. All right. All right. Now, Trap Bar. Got two of them this time from Trap Bar. Trap Bar deadlift video. Still making us money all these years later. He is so wrong here. The only thing that is useless is someone with a gut trying to explain fitness. I bet he has a good physique. Mm -hmm. Well, of course. He's got, you know, razor abs. And the next one of those, the trap bar is completely useless. Is why trap bar is completely all right. The comment is the only useless piece of shit is this video. <laughs> it's hard to argue with that, isn't yep. it? Yep. All right. 
I see. All right, now, how to spot the bench press, one of our on-the-platform videos. This guy, the Internet God, says, When the bar starts to drop on him, her, him, her. Wow. This guy's woke. Yeah. I use a finger or two using extremely light force help. Now that, my friends, is a contribution to the discussion. I, this is what he does. I really like how he acted like he discovered that. Like, <laughs> he's, he's, he's the only the one, one that ever that's figured ever that out. You think, you think whenever he did it the first time, he goes, holy Whoa. shit. Holy shit. This is groundbreaking. <laughs> what? What I've got I just to put do? this on the internet. <laughs> I'll put it on Ripito's comments, maybe and he'll have never it. heard of this, and maybe it'll show up in a book. Yeah. I wonder if he said, it's all you. It's all, <laughs> it's all you. It's all you. It's all you. Just pinkies. pinkies. All, all I did was touch it, man. All I did was touch it. Yeah. Okay, now, let's see. A couple more. Uh, learning to deadlift, starting strength method, this genius here says, this is literally RDL with bar touching floor. <laughs> now there's a deep understanding of the deadlift and the RDL. I mean, far over our heads. All right. Now, this is a good one here. A foul mouth doesn't make you smart or tough <laughs> or strong. No self-respect. <laughs> Wonder what this is from. Like just increase the load. Starting shrink network previews. Did I say fuck or something like that? Oh, Probably. I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, I usually do, but yeah. Uh, I see. What's I do use? it in such a matter-of-fact way that that you know. Why would anybody think that I would say fuck in an attempt to be smart or tough or strong? I, I I don't know. It sounds These like a fourth grade. Are, that sounds like a fourth grade teacher talking to, <laughs> yeah, talk to a group of boys. Right? Why not to use cuss words? Fourth fourth grade teacher. Yeah. This, this is who this it is. It doesn't make but, you sound cool. It doesn't make <laughs> you smart or tough. It doesn't make you smart or tough or, or grown up or adult or anything. If you say fuck, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say fuck, but it, it's, <laughs> if you say that f word, it doesn't make you smart or tough or strong. Or anything good so don't say those words and if you do say those words I'm gonna beat you to death you little bastards right sounds like junior high that's what my fourth grade teacher would have told me <laughs> all right just increase the load starting straight network previews is this from the recent one that's pretty recent yeah from the paper Pretty what sure. study is this even about? <laughs> Someone at Starting Strength needs a lesson on clipping videos. Rusty. That's a rusty comment. Clipping <clears throat> videos? What are they talking about? Yeah, it's the clip from the... Apparently video. you didn't include the source of the paper. Oh. You yeah. didn't give enough context. That was a long clip, too. Yeah, well... That was a long know, clip. Rusty, fuck, man. Well, yeah. I was told to make longer clips. No, I, no one's complaining, <laughs> Rusty. Nobody's complaining about the, the length of the clip. <laughs> That's not the point. The point is that you didn't include 
what this guy wanted you to oh, include in here. See? Okay. This guy was unable to look the paper up without you force feeding him the URL. Well, right? Watch the fucking whole video. That was fun, Rip. Oh, yeah, well, I know. I mean, look at me. Look how refreshed and full of fun I am right now. Right? And that concludes this week's installment of comments from the haters. Yeah, I'm going to eventually get sick of doing this. Reading those fucking things is just, you know, makes me tired. It makes me tired. It makes me, it, it, it disappoints me so deeply down into my DNA to know that there are fucking idiots at that level that are just running around loose, you know, that aren't, aren't being restrained with some kind of, you know, electric some kind of device of like, some sort, you know, just to keep them, you know, from running around out in the middle of the freeway and shit. Yeah, these are the level of people that, you know, make other people feel bad when they accidentally kill them. And fuck up and kill some stupid son of a bitch like this. And you feel bad about it because the guy's got a family and everything. When in reality, his family's glad you took him out. <laughs> right? Look, here's our friend Naomi Wolf's got a new book out. You need to get this for Christmas. This is Facing the Beast. And I'm about a chapter into it. Uh, and her first chapter, she goes into uh, some of the things that took place back in 2000, especially 21. And, uh, you know, she, she said something in here that I thought was... Uh, was insightful she's always very insightful i enjoy reading her stuff and uh but she said she pointed out some stuff that i from kind of a i guess a female maternal perspective that i thought was very important uh when everyone in the government at all levels of government city county state with few exceptions, and certainly the federal government, told you that you had to wear a mask, and you did, even though you knew that was stupid, even though you knew that didn't make any sense at all. If you've had high school biology, you knew better than that. But you did it anyway on the off chance that maybe, just maybe, your mask might intercept a virus, right? Being emitted by you, even though you weren't sick, or coming into you because you're afraid of being sick, all right? 
because you know from the from March of 2020 we this was the flu so all it was was another version of the goddamn flu you know you know what happens when you get the flu you've had the flu remember having the flu you get sick and then you get better unless you've got something really bad wrong with you like COPD or you're 97 or you know you've got two or three other diseases running concurrently at the same time and it just puts too much stress on you and you and you die but what happens with the flu is you get sick you feel like shit for a couple of days and then you feel less like shit and then you know a couple of days later you're back to kind of normal with a with a cough that persists for a while right long covid right <laughs> a cough that persists after you've had an upper respiratory infection now that's long covid right but this time it was a test can we make them wear a mask can we make them behave the way we want to if we make them afraid enough they will because that's how you get the general public to cooperate with you as you make them afraid all right so 80 percent of you guys wore the mask because the government told you you had to wear the mask and Ms. Wolf's observation is very important she, she said what did that teach your kids what did that teach your kids huh did you ever think about that So whatever the government tells you to do, you're going to do, right? I mean, you did. That's what you did. You don't made no sense. You just went along because you were afraid of being publicly ostracized for being an asshole. Right? Only assholes like me didn't wear the mask. Only assholes didn't wear the mask. You're not wearing a mask in the grocery store, you're an asshole. Right? No. Here's my take on it is if you're wearing a mask in the grocery store, you're an obedient serf. You belong to them. And belonging to them, you'll do what they tell you to do. No matter what it is, you'll do what they tell you to do, won't you? You do something stupid like that. What if they tell you to kill the Jews? You going to do that too? You know, you won't be prosecuted. You know, everybody hates the Jews. There must be a reason. Let's kill Jews. Shit like this has happened before, hasn't it? And you just fixed it up so it can happen again. Now, you think about that, all right? I have no doubt that the vast majority of the people watching this podcast didn't wear the mask because we don't appeal to those kinds of people. But some of you put on the mask, and I want you to think about why you did that. 
All right. Now you ought to be, you ought to, you ought to be ashamed of that. You ought to apologize for it. If you're one of these pieces of dog shit that actually ran around enforcing the vaccine mandates, like you know, it, it, it makes me wish there was a hell for you. Because you killed people. And that was okay because you were doing what the government told you to do. Safe and effective. Remember Richard Maddow on MSNBC? How Richard said, the vaccines are safe and effective. Just get the damn shot. Right? And you thought to yourself, well, yeah, probably should. It's, it's, that's, that's a nauseating that you would do that, nauseating that a free human being would voluntarily become a slave like that. Well, I'm getting further into this, and uh, I'll have a report for you further in I go. But this is this you need to get this. This is a stocking stuffer for you for this Christmas. Naomi Wolf facing the beast. All right. Now, anybody have any comments about that before we move on? No. No. All right. Well, this is what I think. I think I want to talk about the star rehab for just a minute. You know, that's one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made was to publicize that. Because even though I've explained in detail its exact application and what it does not do, no one seems to be able to understand what it's for, how it's used, and what it does, and and when it is not used, people with sore knees do not use the star rehab because it will make them more sore. Oh, but they do. Do all the time. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then they think, well, it doesn't work. See, it doesn't work. Ripto's full of shit. It doesn't work. Well, you know, Ripto's may be full of shit, but not because you didn't do what I told you to do. All right. The, the star rehab, which is sets across of high reps with lightweight for a muscle belly tear a muscle belly tear and that's all for a muscle belly tear you tear a hamstring you tear a quad belly not at the knee but up in the middle of the muscle belly it works fine for that. But really, you know, sets of 10 would work fine for that. Probably sets of 5 would work fine for it if it was handled correctly. Will Morris uses 5s on that, on that same approach and gets perfectly good results. The idea is you load the muscle belly. You put a bunch of blood through it. Hopefully, you put a bunch of lactate through it. That's why I like sets of 20. A bunch of lactate through it, and lactate seems to have a 
an effect on a on a muscle belly injury and just makes it go ahead and heal up. Now, I don't know the histology of that, but I'm not a histologist, so I, it doesn't matter. The, the other problem, Rip, is that when, even when people use it in a proper application, they're not aggressive enough with it either. So you know what I'm saying? Like they're yeah. not they're not aggressive enough with the with the loading and the, uh, the right. number of reps. If if when it's done correctly, by the end of the two week period that you're using this, you ought to be back up for a set of ten, at about where you were for a set of five prior to the injury. Yep, that's how aggressively this must be used. Yeah, and a lot of times too the uh, it, people. <clears throat> There's, there's, uh, I, I don't know if degrees is the right word, but it works really well for a like a fucked up, like tore the shit out of your adductor, type yes. thing, right? But right. Uh, people will use it in a in in a in a in an event that they have a smaller tear. It's not that big of a deal. They could literally just continue loading, right, and it'll heal. Just, just you know, cut back on reps or something. Keep going heavy, right. and they're fine in a few days. And you know, and this is the this is the thing that prompted me to bring this up today because I had a question posted on the board. Are there degrees of severity for which this approach works better than others? And uh, yeah, there are. There, it's been my experience that you can have a very painful muscle belly injury that really probably only involves a few fibers. Right. The damn thing hurts. Right, but if you've just got a little, little tweaky spot in one of your quads, you don't stop what you're doing for two weeks and do right. the star rehab. That's not what you do. You just warm it up day after tomorrow and train with the same weights that you were playing. And usually it's fine. Usually a small injury like that will heal very, very quickly yeah. without any special attention because there's not that much physical damage to the tissue. Yeah, you might just and need to break up the, you know, even even in the case. So the point is, if you if you don't have a loss in the ability to to produce the force because shit's not that badly torn, right? You, what you might need to do is just is just break up your, you know, you have you have three sets of five, but you just break up those sets of five, do do a couple doubles in a single, right? And, and so you get a little bit of rest in between, right? And you just keep going, just keep loading the and bar, this, and you know, the, and then the the following workout, you might not have to do that anymore. You're you're, you're fine, right? You're you're healed. People reflexively just deload and go high reps every time they, there's right. a there's and a that's, pain. That's not what the thing is for. Now, if you tear a hamstring belly during a sprint or during a football game or something like that and you've got a big giant bruise behind your knee right the star rehab is for that the adductor where you have just the whole your entire thigh is just purple yeah i mean where where there is a palpable gap right in the muscle belly that needs to be approached aggressively with this with this high rep low load approach so that the thing heals as normal muscle morphology instead of as a scar because if it if you just lay off of it for two months it's going to form a scar and a scar does not behave like a muscle contractile proteins in the muscles do this they slide back and forth right a scar does this And now you've got a scar in there, and guess what happens at the margins of the scar? 
you've set yourself up for a brand new tear because now you've got a piece of tissue in there that does not behave like a muscle i got recent now, experience with that i did it twice to the to the same spot on my adductor because i didn't yep. rehab it right the first time if you don't rehab it right, right. that's what's going to happen and you, you, you've got to get in the middle of this. And Bill told me this a long time ago. I hurt my adductors, both sides, up in my crotch one time, doing the heaviest triple I'd ever done, which was a 600 triple squat. Did you lose the bar? No. Or you just finished it and then it, it finished hurt it. After. And yep. it felt it yep. on the third rep. Right. <clears throat> And that hurt pretty bad. It was both sides, too. Oh, fuck. At the same time? Both sides, same time. It's a pretty awful so, feeling, that adductor <clears throat> thing. So he said, and this was like on a Saturday, and uh, I said, what, what do I need to do here? He said, you're squatting Monday. I'm going to squat Monday? Yeah, you're going to squat Monday. Bill, like barely walked. You're going to squat Monday. That's how this is done. Trust me. This is how this is done. You're going to squat on Monday. So Monday I went up to like 405 for 10, and it hurt. But it was hurting anyway. Right. And it, it healed up. And I never had any further problem with it. But you have to get on that immediately or because the, the, the process of, of, the, of a healing muscle belly in the absence of using the muscle as a contractile organ is to lay down a scar in the middle of that muscle belly. This is why a hamstring tear ends a sprinter's career. You're done. You tear a hamstring, you're done. Because if you lay off of the damn thing and let it scar, you're going to tear it again. And you're never going to be able to run at 100% of a sprint with a scar in your hamstring belly. It's not going to work. You have to get right in the middle of these things and aggressively rehab them harder than you want to. All right? But on the other end of that spectrum, if you've just torn a few fibers in that muscle, you can probably fairly safely ignore it and just go ahead and train day after tomorrow like you were going to. And just be careful don't be explosive just be careful work through it and then probably five days later the thing's gone because that's that's typically how these things behave a small tear like that probably will not form a bruise at all right if you've got a bunch of blood under the skin then you've got a no shit muscle belly tear if you have pain in a muscle belly and no blood comes up by the next day, then you're probably okay to just go ahead and train through it. And that's the correct way to do this. Yeah, how you how, how much it hurts in between workouts and even at, as you start warming up warming up for the workout is not an indicator of what you can actually do. And people right. people discover this when you do it right, right? So right. it hurts like a motherfucker. You do the empty bar, it starts to feel a little bit better. You start loading it, it starts to feel a little bit better. And then by the end of the workout, you're either at the at the weight you're supposed to be or really damn close yes you know so the so so using that using the level of pain that you're in is an indicator of what you should do for that workout 
not a good idea, right? No, you gotta, that's you gotta, a version of RPE. You got to get right? in there. Well, you got to get in there and see see what you. You got to see do. what actually happens because right. you don't know. I'm sorry, it hurts. Sometimes that happens. Now, Nick and I were talking about something yesterday that I thought would be a good thing to discuss on the show today. Um, our little idea called the two-factor model of sports performance. Now, that is one of the probably the more important articles on our website because it explains a lot of things in in a way that you know other people's shit has not explained it so if you haven't read the two-factor model of sports performance stop right now and go read it so one of the articles in the article section of the website under my name the two-factor model of sports performance. Now, what this basically states is that there are two different inputs into high-level sports performance. All right? There is something called training, which causes an accumulation of physiological adaptation that benefits the sport now the physiological adaptation that we accumulate might be an endurance type of physiological adaptation if you're a marathon athlete uh, or it more likely is a strength adaptation if you are pretty much any other athlete so that accumulation of physiological adaptation is obtained in the weight room or doing endurance-type activities. So if strength is what we're trying to adapt to, there is a, there is a way to obtain strength as an accumulation, way to accumulate strength that is optimal in terms of the amount of time it takes to do the adaptation. All right, and the optimal way to do that is just exactly what you already know. It is the squat, it's the press, it's the deadlift, the bench press, and the power clean. The standard barbell exercises that we use as the basis of starting strength is the best way to get strong for everything, for being 85 or for being a 17-year-old high school football player or being a competitive 38-year-old power lifter, anything that requires strength, the way to get strong is strength training. Normal human movement patterns loaded with a barbell over the longest effective range of motion with incrementally increasing loads over time. That's the, in a nutshell, that's the whole thing. Okay, now that is training. Now the other factor in sports performance is the accumulation of the trait we call skill. And skill is the, is the accurate and precise execution of movement patterns that are specific to the sport. That's what skill is. 
Skill is obtained through a process called practice. And the practice that that pertains to the sport is extremely specific to the actual movement patterns demanded by the sport. Now, it's important to understand that practice and training are two separate things, completely separate activities. They are two unrelated processes. All right, because what is training for one sport might very well be training for a completely different sport. They're they're unrelated, but the the, the training side of it complements the complements and, and and raises the baseline of the skill exactly accumulation yeah all right Rip, you, let me add, if you don't mind let me add something real quick because you i think you sell this idea short a little bit um the the two-factor model you you always you always say the two-factor model of sports performance and then at the beginning of this you mentioned high level sports um uh, it this applies to everything so it's no, it's no, not, it actually does apply. It's not high-level sports. It's it's all activities that people do that are physical, right? So it includes hobbies, because people are going to start training for their hobbies, right? So if you're a, if you're a trail runner, if you're a jujitsu guy, you eventually get to the point where you start training for your hobby. So it's not just high-level sports. It's it's everything that most people are interested in that are not just going to the gym and lifting and then not doing anything else. Well, <clears throat> now let me let me add to your observation there are some things that that uh, are typically not trained for golf is not trained for billiards is not trained for right shuffleboard is not trained for all right and for those things that are typically executed at the performance level without a training baseline we call those games right but it would also be They're, hard to argue that a that a, a higher training base wouldn't improve most of the oh i'm not arguing that i i, I think but tiger where, woods finally penetrated that's right that tiger right. woods kind of almost didn't do it correctly but he was actually training for golf yep. Yeah, there's right, and that's one of the reasons he just went out there and just massacred that's everybody right. else in 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 his day because nobody else was doing that. There are a few guys out there now who finally figured out that a that a bigger, heavier, stronger body weight and a, and the resulting strength accumulation that comes along with that makes your drive go up ten exactly. yards. Exactly. In other you words, know? being more athletic improves skill, even in things that are highly skill specific, like shooting a gun. You right. know, archery, uh, golf, even I don't know, shuffleboard probably. Fuck, I don't know, but but that that's my point, right? It's it's the it's it's improving athleticism, and then the follow-on argument is is what's the best way to improve athleticism, and it's through strength. Yes, right. Strength is the baseline for all physical engagement with your environment. Now we've said this, and everybody says that's a grandiose overstatement, but it is not an overstatement. You are a physical piece of your environment, and all of your physical interaction with your environment involves force production. And the better you are at force production, 
the more effectively you interact with your environment. And you don't want to hear that. I understand. You don't want to do your deadlifts or squats. I understand you don't want to do that. That doesn't mean that that statement is not true. It just means you you don't care. And I understand that. Not everybody wants to do hard things. All right? Most people don't want to do hard things. Most people don't have the patience to devote three periods of time a week to improving their strength. Most people don't are not interested in doing that. Yeah, especially doing something that looks nothing like their activity that yeah. they enjoy doing, right? right. <laughs> like going to the gym and busting your ass right. three days Going to the week. gym, busting your ass doesn't yeah. look like golf. I understand right. that, okay? But let me tell you what, what the alternative to doing it our way is. The alternative is doing functional training, which That's is the appeal, a right? waste mm-hmm. of time. It is a giant fucking waste of of time spending that much time a week not getting stronger when you could be using the same amount of time lifting five more pounds using a normal human movement pattern but it's more exciting and more fun well because it it, because it mimics their sport (laughs) right it's it's, if people don't understand people hadn't thought about this at this level yeah, you're gonna go. If it the- looks more like your sport, it has to apply to the sport, right? Yeah. No, no, it doesn't. You know what applies to your sport? Practice for your sport. Classic example: soccer. Soccer practice is where you go out and practice soccer. Football for you, Europeans. All right, football. <laughs> football. That's the proper pronunciation. So if you're gonna if you're gonna practice soccer, you're on the field. There's a ball. There's a team. There are people that you're interacting with with the ball and the team. And there's strategy and thinking about the field and identifying positions and all the stuff that goes into playing soccer. That is soccer practice. Now, what is training for soccer? Is it running five miles? Well, that's the hallmark of a stupid coach all right you you see a soccer coach tell his kids to go run five miles he's a dumbass he's never thought about this when do you use that adaptation even that movement pattern on a soccer field you don't you don't use that as an adaptation and you don't use it as a movement pattern it does not apply to soccer what does apply to soccer strength applies to soccer because your ability to apply force to the ground and move quickly in different directions agility that kind of thing is a strength adaptation it's a strength adaptation furthermore if you don't have strong hamstrings from deadlifting and squatting you are going to tear an acl on the soccer field Look at any women's soccer team and count the scars on their knees. And you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. 23-year-old female soccer player that doesn't have a scar on her knee just hasn't torn an ACL yet. Or she's squatting and deadlifting, which is a vanishingly low probability because of the state of sports coaching 
especially in this country. Right. When you, and when you add in the, the level of, uh, of, of weakness that these individuals have and then add in on top of that miles and miles of useless running, um, it's just a compounding problem, you know. So, and, and for the people out there, because obviously conditioning is an aspect of, of soccer, football that, that is important, but there is hardly none of that that doesn't come from just from practice. Practice, right? yeah. Soccer it's, practice is where you get conditioned for soccer. In other words, how hard is this to understand? It's very hard to understand. It's, it, people don't understand it. It's, people don't understand it. How was soccer practice easy today? Well, then exactly. it was done incorrectly. Exactly. Yeah, it's built right? into the sport. It's built into the sport enough that f until you get to a fairly high level, right. you don't need any additional conditioning, and you probably any, never do. Any sport that has a conditioning component conditions that component during practice for the sport. Right. It's already there. You're already running around on the soccer field. And furthermore, you're doing it in a way that looks like soccer. Yep. It doesn't look like running five miles. You don't run five miles on a soccer field. You don't get in shape for soccer by running five miles. Because running five miles is easy. It's just one foot in front of the other. At no point on the soccer field is it one foot in front of the other. That's not how it's obtained. That's not how the sport is played. The sport yep. cuts side to side. There's forward, backward, side to side. Start, stop, acceleration, deceleration, all of these things that have to be conditioned for during the movements of soccer. And that takes place in soccer practice on the field. Now, what's the baseline physiologic adaptation for that? It is strength. And how is strength best obtained? Squats, deadlifts, presses, benches, power cleans. That's how strength is obtained. If strength is necessary, then that's how strength is obtained in that sport. Yeah, usually at this point, the, the long-distance running stuff is, is a way for coaches to, to eat up uh, practice time or whatever, mm -hmm. you know. The, the so getting into the strength and conditioning world because the serious strength and conditioning coaches, there's not there's not anybody uh, reasonable who's doing any long distance running. So what do they what do they do? They do they do uh, 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 the standard model, which is functional training, right? So they're trying to they they're trying to do two things. They're either trying to make training by our definition look like their sport, right? Or which is counterproductive. Because it's neither training nor it's neither training nor practice. Yep. Or they are trying. Or, or what they'll do is they will display the athleticism that already exists in the athlete. This is that's the and this is model. what excites sports things. coaches. So that's much. right. They're displaying what's already there. They're displaying the Not reason developing. they're on the team. Right. We already know why they're on the team. You put them on the team because they were good. Your recruiter sent them to you. Does he not know what he's doing? Why do you want to have the athletes that you know are already capable of this athletic display, why do you want to have them reinforce your position as the head coach by displaying what you already know is there? You are wasting time when you do that. If you take a kid that is a freshman in college that was recruited out of a high school because he has a 36-inch vertical jump. And you have him 
come onto your program and do a bunch of bullshit functional training with light weights on unstable surfaces with movement patterns that your head strength and conditioning coach has just made up out of thin air. Instead of getting the kid's deadlift up to 495, which is not particularly difficult for a kid with that kind of athletic potential. Kid with a 36-inch vertical ought to be deadlifting 495 in six or eight months, or you're not pushing him, right? Because that kind of athletic potential develops strength very quickly if you ask for the adaptation. You have to ask for it in the training. But if you ask for bouncing around in the floor on unstable surfaces, doing dance moves, displaying fancy athletic ability to the head coach so the head coach is reassured that he in fact his his recruiter in fact made the right decision well that what, what are we accomplishing when we do that? yeah and, that, and that's not even the interesting part because the the at the highest levels the the, the the shittiness of the strength and conditioning is masked by the the high level of skill and by high, the high level of athleticism that's already yeah. built in. So the problem, you know, who gives a shit what they yeah, do? Yeah, the problem is, is the average person the, the that pro- sees us. The problem is that it filters down yep. in, in what's considered the cutting edge, the best strength and conditioning in the right. world is actually extremely ineffective because it's all masked by high level. It's a high performer bias. And then you have right. it. It's a high perform. That's a real, real, real good point. And you people need to think about this real hard. Do the best athletes in the world always show you the way they got to be the best athletes in the world? No. They never show you the way they got to be the best in the world because they are the best in the world because of their genetics. Mm -hmm. That's what the recruiter found for you. They're going to be good no matter what. A guy with a 36-inch vertical is stronger than a guy with a 22-inch vertical. And then you have an average guy like me that sees that and it says, I'm going to replicate that I'm in the I'm going to do what this guy over here did. Right. You can't do what this guy over here did. But I'm going to train like they train. You're going to, because if you do, you can't, you cannot do. How many examples of this are there? Freak athletes who haven't got the slightest idea how to train, who are nonetheless freak athletes by virtue of their parents. Oh, who's the boy that's the quarterback in New York that everybody loves to suck the cock of? Uh, Is it Tom Tom Brady? Brady? Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Perfect example. Tom Brady. Tom Brady's got an exercise program out that is idiocy. No one could make progress on Tom Brady's workout. But but you say, but he's Tom Brady. He's Tom Brady. And we say, we know he's Tom Brady. We know that. And the fact that he's Tom Brady tells you what you need to know about the genetic endowment of Tom Brady. What are Tom Brady's characteristics? He's real good with his hands. He can read a field 
like nobody has ever read a field in front of him in the NFL. You know, he's better than Fran Tarkenton was. You know. And that is a that this all of those characteristics are innate in Tom Brady. You can't train that kind of intelligence. This is a physical intelligence that just very few human beings possess. Now, Tom Brady doesn't deadlift four ninety five. He probably could pretty easily. But he could in about three months. Right. And he'd be better behind the line if he did. But he's good enough to be Tom Brady. He's good enough, even in the presence of this shitty exercise program that he advises you to do, despite the fact that it doesn't work, because of what's there anyway. What is there anyway is what you recognize as his amazing ability as an NFL quarterback. It's a very important distinction that needs to be made because think of your average high school football coach, shit, even your average college coach, you know, Division three college coach, your average trainer, your average uh, guy that's taking kids and doing, you know, speed school and shit like that. How are, how are they deciding what to do? It's whatever they learned at their exercise science program if they did it or yeah. – you know what is what is the the my favorite team? What is my favorite athlete? What is my favorite shooter? My what does Tom fighter? Brady do? What do they do? Right? So we're going to do that, right? Well, so that's that, what we're going to do because after all, he's Tom Brady, and what he did must have made him Tom Brady, right. and that's the point that no one seems to understand. One of my uh, one of my kids, I asked him if they're squatting at school, and he said they only do front squats because his coach went to a college to do a tour of a college, and guess what they were doing in the weight room that day. Front squats. Front squats. Oh, you hear the shit all the so time. So now yeah. all they do is front squats at his school. They don't do anything else because he happened to see them do front squats one day in a college. And then now right. that's that's the only way you squat. Yep. Yeah. You know, now we run up into the problem of intelligence, don't we? We run up into the problem of intelligence. And I've said this 100,000 times that the vast majority – of head sports coaches are not very intelligent. They're not able to analyze their way out of a corner. And this very thing, this is exactly the problem here. You know, the fact that a high-level athlete does anything is irrelevant to your low-level athletes, because high-level athletes, guys with big verticals, guys who learn things easily by copying movement patterns they see, these are what natural athletes are. And, and natural athletes have big verticals, and they learn visually very, very quickly. And, and, and most important, because it's not just about the <coughs> physical, it's not just about the attributes, but also they are the product of selection, not development. That's, That's right. a very important thing to understand. That's right. The recruiter put the athletes together in the locker room. The recruiter selected for these characteristics. He selected for big verticals. He selected for the ability to move on the field. He selected for the ability to be agile and quick and use his strength appropriately. And... If you've got a D1 team in the locker room, you've got a bunch of freak athletes, right? Now, here's the horrible thing about that. 
horrible thing about that is if you start off with a 55 freak athletes in your locker room it's going to look like your strength and conditioning people know what the hell they're doing when the fact of the matter is is they probably don't but the genetics of the team that was assembled for those people by the recruiters masks the fact that your strength and conditioning program is a waste of time. And the only thing you're seeing on the field is the effects of recruiting freak athletes who are already stronger by definition, who are already better on the field by definition, who are already performing at a high level before your functional training intervention ever even stepped into the way. Because functional training interferes with all of these things. What you do, if you're thinking clearly, is you get those athletes as strong as you can get them in the weight room. And you don't use things that look like football. And then you get them out of the locker room, out of the weight room, and you get them out on the football field, and you let them practice football. And then if your football coaches are functioning at the level that they should be, then they help the kids on the field to be better at football. Using a baseline out of the weight room that has been elevated by strength, by the squat, the deadlift, the press, the bench, and the power clean. Okay? Now, I can't tell you how important it is to understand this. If you are involved in coaching kids, don't be seduced by functional training. Don't be seduced by things that look like sports done in the weight room. The weight room is for getting strong, and getting strong means squats, deadlifts, presses, and benches. It doesn't mean 20-pound dumbbells on unstable surfaces. But what that means is... Furthermore, it means five more pounds next time. It also means you have to know how to coach these fucking lifts. Well, that's the it, biggest it, problem. Yeah, that's 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 understood, but that, that you know that's almost impossible. To, it's, it's, that's almost impossible to hope for. But if you've got even a shitty strength coach, if he's making this kid squad below parallel and they go up five pounds next workout, they're getting stronger. All right? Getting stronger is not a complicated process. All right? It's not a complicated process. But there is a process that has to be followed. It is a process. Five more pounds. For three sets of five, next time is how you get stronger. Go up in weight because that's what strength is. It's force production. This 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 is a this is not complicated material, boys and girls. We're not that smart. We're just not seduced by all of the things that seem to distract head football coaches. You know, we're, we're not, uh, I don't want my weight room to look like 
the football field. I don't want my weight my weight room uh, conducted like a sport. I want my weight room to generate five pounds more on the squat than it did last workout. That's all I want from the weight room because I understand that the squat organizes itself. The deadlift organizes itself. If you make the squat and the deadlift go up five pounds, you have gotten stronger. And that's all there is to it. It really is. It's not nothing complicated. And now maybe strength and conditioning coaches feel threatened by the fact that that's not complicated. Maybe they think their positions are in jeopardy. If anybody could do what's simple, you just go up five pounds. Well, it's more complicated than that because you have to know how to actually coach the lifts, which is difficult. It's difficult to learn. It means you have to have done the lifts yourself, which, you know, the vast majority <laughs> of functional training experts don't know anything about. The vast majority of functional training experts can't deadlift 315. I remember uh, all of our football coaches, and uh, the the physique on them was really impressive. It was very round, every one of them. Oh, yeah. they're <laughs> You know, when I was in school, they're just a bunch of old fat guys. Yeah. Smokers. Yeah. You know, just, you know, stupid people. Yeah. Just stupid people, but it's, you know. Well, so the implications are for, it, your, for your, your kids involved in sports, also for you involved in uh anything athletic or any hobbies that you're you're interested in in getting stronger or i'm sorry in improving your performance you know it's 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 actually very simple and the thing is and and this concept kind of carries over in a in a lots of lots of different aspects you know any time that any time that a a a high level like a tier one organization whether it's sports business you know anything else is is brought up as an example of how to do things you just have to ask yourself the question is how did they how did they get there was it development it's far more interesting to look at at low level high performers and mid level high performers and how they got to be high performers and what they did because it'll be far more indicative of probably something closer to what you should be doing right so right. you get you get a exactly. yeah you get a 55 year old guy squatting 405 with no prior like athletic history, that's a really fucking interesting thing. Yeah, right. It is interesting How because did that it happen? indicates to you that recruitment didn't really have anything to exactly. do with this. The process generated that result, right? Not extra process factors, exactly, like right. recruitment, right, of freak athletes. Yep. Recruitment of freak athletes can make any strength and conditioning coach looks like look like he knows what the fuck he's doing. Yep. When he may have absolutely no idea at all right you know if you've got a college football team and everybody on your defensive line is not deadlifting 650 they don't that's the yeah right you're, it's insane you, you've just wasted a bunch of potential the the potential these big giant men have to get strong and hit you harder because they're stronger is being wasted if you don't know how to get their deadlift to 650. Yeah, the problem and getting is getting the deadlift to 650 isn't particularly a bad math problem. Right. It's not a quadratic equation, boys and girls. It's five pounds a workout. The that's all there is to it. The problem is that that's not uh, it's not necessary for them. 
you know so that's, no. it's not even the you know that that's that's the deal like they don't they don't need to deadlift 650 so why would they deadlift 650 it's interesting to us because that would be cool as fuck and then probably these guys would get injured less they'd have longer careers sure. and so on right that's interesting it's really interesting to us but what is what is the incentive for for collegiate and and professional sports to focus on strength when they're getting what they want out of these guys they're getting two or three years you know of uh well, but could they get more? yeah i could mean no, of course, of course yeah. we hurt can. this guy if we hurt this kid he has an acl on the field yeah but we get him surgery and we replace him with the next guy in line we don't care that's exactly right we don't care there's, we got where he came from we got 10 there's more. 20 more kids behind him ready to go right right, right. so yeah exactly exactly but so, would, would so, they get more performance though that's the thing and well, I, well yeah they would yeah yeah they would but if everybody's performing at the same artificially yeah. low level yeah how do you know that yeah you used to say a lot that uh that if everybody agrees to be weak then you know such that then this this will happen and that's exactly the case at that at it that is. level mm -hmm. the pro and again the problem is who like who I, I don't care like what's going on there the problem is that everybody holds these methods up as the right way to do shit. that's yeah the, that's the problem and you're right to call it the standard model right because that is the standard model standard model is to completely ignore training and practice as the two contributing factors to sports performance conflate the two into some ineffective version of just exercising and then let the genetics that the recruiter puts on the field determine who wins the game i you know this and if that's what you know, I don't really give a shit about college sports. I don't watch college sports. I don't care. Yeah, you just can't take that as an example. But of what you to do. can't, you know, if if you don't see how crystal clear this problem is and how to solve it, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. If your default position is, well, the greatest athletes in the world do it this way, and that must be right. Well, I, there's not anything we can say to you. Right. Yep. You know, you're not intelligent enough to have a conversation with about this because there's far more to it than that. Far, far more to it than that. And if we all agree that the conversation stops right there, then welcome to 2023. Well, we always get the question, right? Why doesn't my favorite NFL team, why doesn't my favorite military group do do starting strength? Um, and and that's that that's not that's the wrong question to ask, right? Because they're not they're going to do what they do. They're going to be just fine. I promise you. Whether they do starting strength or not, they're going to be effective at what they do, because all of their incentives are aligned to keep them effective. And they're going to pick the people that get that done, and so on, right? So the the right. question to ask is, should I give a fuck what the Dallas Cowboys or the the Cincinnati Bengals or whatever are doing? No. I shouldn't care because that you doesn't shouldn't apply care to me. because that doesn't mean anything to you, right? That, that holds no information that you can use. Exactly. Right. Exactly right. There is there is nothing to be obtained by doing the program of your favorite elite athlete. Because your favorite elite athlete is not you. And this is the message. This is the whole thing. Your favorite elite athlete does things that have absolutely no bearing on what you should be doing. Right.
because you and the elite athlete are two different pieces of biology and biology wins every time biology is the basis for sports performance now it's true that i as a normal human with a 22 inch vertical jump can get my deadlift up stronger and have gotten my deadlift up stronger than the frontline athletes at d1 colleges that's absolutely true but i'm even though i'm stronger i'm still not explosive but more important than that what could that athlete have done had he trained like i did he could have been deadlifting 750. You get you get a three hundred pound lineman deadlifting seven fifty, and you try to hit him. You have any idea what takes place? This is at seven fifty for that's not that's for a, for a freak like that for sure. That's that's not an accomplishment. No. That's not an accomplishment. That should be expected. But if we're using 20-pound dumbbells on unstable surfaces, then we have a different problem to solve, don't we? So, you know, I I just... Uh, yeah, ultimately... And I don't know. Ultimately, those guys aren't serious about strength and conditioning. They're so, not. So don't use them as an example of what to do. Right. And that, that carries over into... into uh, That concept carries over into almost everything. You know, it's like, don't even don't even bother. Like, it's interesting what happens at those levels. Um, you know, like the, the shooting world's a great example. You know, if, you, if you're going to have... If you're going to take the, the, the methods and the, and the uh, ideas from your favorite high-speed military unit, those people were all selected to be there. You could teach them right. anything, and they're going to fucking do it really well and do right. it right. That's not oh, you. Yeah. That's not you, right? And then the same thing is in, in jiu-jitsu and MMA. The same thing happens in business. Um, it's, a really important, it's a really important way of thinking about things that people screw up all the time. <clears throat> Absolutely. Absolutely. What process do you need to apply to the endeavor you've selected to make you the best does that process have to be you have to copy what the best in that field are doing or are you responsible for examining the first principles exactly right that are involved in that activity and analyzing a way to obtain a performance based on those first principles right. develop the attributes that are going to give you the develop, most the most bang for your buck right develop the attributes that contribute based on first principles that contribute to that performance right don't just blindly copy what somebody else has already done because you have no idea whether or not that individual would have been where they are now were it not for being selected for that position. Can you generate on a reliable basis an average individual into a high level? If you can do that, then that process works. Right. If you depend on the recruiter to present you with a 36-inch vertical in order for you to stay 
into D1 ranks, then your process doesn't work. And that's really, that's in a nutshell, that's yep. the whole thing. Exactly right. It, if your process reliably generates high levels of performance from everybody that that utilizes that process, then you've got a legitimate process. But if the process depends on a high-level baseline starting point, then you may or may not have anything at all. Right. That's the West Side problem, right? You, yep. you always talk about it. It's like... What, West side what does it take for you to be able to even walk into that gym? It's, you know, it's irrelevant. What they do there is irrelevant. What to they do there everybody. is completely irrelevant. Yeah, if Louis said, well, you can't even come in here unless you total 2,000, yeah. well, guess who gets in there? <laughs> big, strong guys. Big, strong guys. Yeah. And whatever Louis had them doing is irrelevant. Yeah. They're already big, strong guys. Yeah, it's interesting, and there's pieces of it that may be applicable, but as a, as a whole, you don't look at that and say, I'm going to do I'm gonna do." West Side, because you're not yeah. going to do West Side. No, you don't, you're you not going to do West Side because you're not West Side material. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right? Yeah. Yep, that is absolutely true. Well, I think we've kicked that around enough, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Does everybody understand so. what we're talking about? No, they don't. No, they, <laughs> no, they probably don't. Next seminar, they'll still ask. So, so I, you know, I, I, I really wish you would, you would try to internalize what we're telling you here. You know, look, starting strength is the simplest way to get stronger. And the simplest way to improve your performance is to get stronger. Therefore, starting strength is the simplest and most effective way to improve your performance. That's right. Yeah, I know that's arrogant, isn't it? All right. Well, Lying fuck! Just me. go, just go, squat, press, bench, deadlift, and power clean. Do three sets of five, go, and don't call it starting strength. Don't call it starting strength. Yeah. <laughs> Fine with us. <laughs> Fine with us. When you want to learn how to do the lifts, just buy the book, right? But <laughs> you know, and call it starting strength. Call it something else. Yeah. Call it Joe. I don't care. You know, I don't care. But the fact of the matter, I didn't invent the squat. Right? I didn't invent the deadlift. You know, people have been squatting and deadlifting a long time. I'm just telling you that strength is the basis of physical performance. And the stronger you are, the better you're going to be at physical performance. So how do you get stronger? Well, you squat, you press, you bench press, you deadlift, power clean, right? That's what you do. I don't, here, I tell you what, refute the argument. Refute the argument. You know, if your refutation is good enough, we'll have you on the podcast and we'll talk about it. How about that? You think you know more about this than we do? Well, let's see. All right, let's see. Yeah, you know, somebody is going to say, how many, how many people have ripped sent to the IPF Worlds? We haven't sent anybody to the IPF Worlds. Because IPF is powerlifting. We're not powerlifters. We're not coaching powerlifters. We don't care about powerlifters. Powerlifting is a competitive sport. We don't coach tennis either. So the specifics of competitive suit and wraps powerlifting, I don't care about that. I don't care about that. But we figured out a way to squat that generates squat strength 
and overall body strength better than anybody else has ever done it. Yes, that's true. There aren't as many ways to squat as there are grains of sand on the beach. And if you think that, then you're not paying any attention to what we're telling you about the squat, because that's not what we're saying. What we're saying that is that in all of those lifts, there are basic pieces of the way you use the kinetic chain involved in the movement pattern that have to be executed correctly in order for your strength to develop the most efficiently. That's what we're saying. That may look different for different people, but if, if you don't understand the difference in the appearance of a squat of a person with long legs and a short torso versus a person with a sh with long torso and short legs, then I, you know, you're, you're just not up to speed here with the conversation. At any rate, you know, yeah, you want to you want to argue with me? Go ahead. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's have a let's have an argument. But I think you'll find that it's just more productive to shut up and try to internalize what we're telling you. You'll you'll save a bunch of time in the weight room. You'll have better results. If you're coaching athletes, your athletes will all be healthier and stronger and far, far less likely to get hurt on the field. Okay. Anybody else? Good over here. Everybody's okay over on my side of the table. Yep. All right, man. Thanks for joining us this week on Starting Strength Radio. Uh, see you next time, okay?